podcast is brought to you by Welcome to another edition of Watch This or Die Podcast, your weekly fix for quality movie recommendations. Once again, I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. And we will be your hosts on this cinematic voyage. It is our goal each and every week to recommend to you a movie that we not only fucking love, but one that we're pretty damn sure you will too. So, over the next 100 minutes or so, we're going to do our very best to convince you to go and check out this movie like your life depends on it. Now, without further ado, the movie that we are recommending to you this week is... Training Day. In the next 24 hours, you will learn about the streets, about the choices that will force a dedicated cop over the edge, all in the name of good. In the next 24 hours, the only thing more dangerous than the line being crossed... Today's a training day, Officer Hoy. It's your chance to give you a little taste of reality. You think you can handle it? ...is the cop who has crossed it. I will do anything you want me to do. Will you? Let's see. If I was a dealer, you'd be dead by now. because of me. Judges have handed out over 15,000 man years of incarceration time based on my investigation. You got today and today only to show me who and what you're made of. You hear me? That's it. That's what I'm talking about. First day on the job, you hit a $3 million seizure. Police officer! Get away from the girl! No, no, no. We're not racking up arrests today. You let him go. What more you want? I want justice. Is right? that I not mean, justice? That's street justice. What's wrong with street justice? Oh, what? Just let the animals wipe themselves out. God willing. You can't be like this. Open your eyes. Can't you see? What's up, fuckers? Hope you all enjoyed your Halloween and are now looking forward to chowing down on turkey as Thanksgiving is right around the corner here in America. And there is nothing more American than fucking crime. And this month, we don't just dip our toes in some crime. We fucking skinny dip all up in it until it reaches our buttholes. So, speaking of buttholes, I bring in Mr. LaPlante. How did you survive your Halloween and are you ready to shake off the booze and jump scares and dive right into some good old-fashioned American, American crime. American crime, yeah. American crime. Nothing says Thanksgiving like American crime. It was like the start of American crime. No, absolutely. <laughs> like, hey, let's uh, invade and take things and yeah. corruption. To violently take yep. over violently a take land. Over, yeah. uh, and then violently get into it with your family members in a drunken brawl <laughs> and usually hate each other anyway. Exactly. Blue li- it's America. <laughs> so the de- de- <laughs> ma- you know that's what the blue lives matter flag means. It's like the black and blue wife. Isn't that what it means? That's yeah. what, isn't that what it means? I think that's what it means. I think that's what Why- it means. <laughs> Beaten wives matter. Protect police wives. Well, we kick it off this month with a motherfucking classic, and we are talking about Training Day. 
Training Day, as I recall, was the first real major movie release after 9-11. Yeah. came out early October. I remember it was one of the first movies I went back to see. It was one of those weird moments where at the same time the movie's coming out, we're going to war in Afghanistan, and now here we are 20 years down the road from this movie coming out. It's 20th anniversary. And I remember this <laughs> we movie... We finally left Afghanistan. <laughs> I know, right? I know. And this movie just really, I don't know. You know, a lot of people were worried that it would, you know, because of the violence. Although, I think there's more violence in our mind than there really is in the movie. There's really not that much violence in it. No, I went back watching again. I was was like, I thought there was a lot more violence. And I was thinking, man, no, there really really is not a whole ton of violence. Just a lot of possible violence. I think in, in the listing, it's what? Like, strong bodily violence or like something like that like but it's there's only two people that get killed in this whole film on camera and there goes mad jumping in we haven't even got into the the nuts and bolts. Uh, yeah. sorry, sorry well, we're not doing it's not horror month we're not doing body counts i do body that's we'll, our we'll new thing because these because these, we're doing nothing but just, horror just and, skip over and crime now we're just going straight america now because our, america. our listeners can't handle anything else you know we thought maybe violence in Horror and uh, you know westerns would get them going, but apparently not. Apparently they want to see a bunch of fucking white people riding horses. But then see them in cars they, chasing each other. They do like seeing them get come up and against uh, cannibal cannibal Native Americans. They yes. do like that. Yes, yes. But I think it's because we put it in the horror fest. <laughs> I don't think it would have done well all by itself. No one would go into it. That being said, we're gonna, as I said, we're gonna jump balls deep into some crime right now. A rookie cop spends his first day as a Los Angeles narcotics officer with a rogue detective who isn't what he appears to be in Antoine Fuqua's American crime thriller, Training Day. Tell me a story. Well, there was a DUI stop. I find 500 grams of meth in the dash. Turns out this DUI is on his way to smoke his ex-partner before trial. You could be out there for a year, and the most entertaining story that you can come up with to tell me is a drunk stop. Pay the bill. Today's a training day, Officer Hoyt. Supervise five officers. You could be number six if you act right. Listen, everyone's telling you how lucky you are. Don't screw this up. You got today and today only to show me who and what you're made of. You gotta decide whether you're a wolf or a sheep. I will do anything you want me to do. Good. Picks and shovels. Wanna dig a ditch? If you say we can get away with it, I'm with you. Know what I'm saying? Let's do this right so we can all go home and do the wife or the girlfriend thing, all right? <laughs> it can't be like this. I'm sorry I exposed you to it, but it is. Yeah, you wanna get it done, you gotta get it done yourself. Ah! All right, here's the scenario. Our new guy, Hoyt, drops Roger with some fine shotgun work. Who shot Roger? New guy, came in spring. Paul. Boot shot him. What'd you guys see? Hoyt blasted You get the picture? Yeah, I got the picture. I became a cop to put away the criminals not to be one. I think Alonzo played you for a fool, Lester. Big time, Holmes. Son, this is the game, can't you see? What happened was murder. Oh, wait, we had badges, so it's different? If you're in my unit, you gotta be in it all the way or not at all, you understand me? And I didn't sign up for this. In about 10 seconds, this place is gonna be overrun with blue suits. So why don't you go outside, clear your head, or shoot me? I was thinking about uh, this movie before we read off the rest of it. He's awful young 
the character who is the narcotics officer. He's only been on the force 18 months. Like he must he's be a, like yeah, fucking supercharger. Yeah, yeah stand up guy. He's got really good, uh, really good list going. He's did he did he must really I, good on his first year. Had to have because that's quick movement for him to go from basically being a rookie six months you're on probation and a year later the dude's getting named to a high level crime unit. Yeah. Good for Good him. Good for him. Good job. I, what's the age difference between him and Denzel, too? Like, not very much. Can't be. Look decent on film. Yeah. I don't think it's much in yeah. reality, but on film, he, he did have a, he still does have a bit of a boy's oh, look yeah. to him. Ethan, Ethan Hawke did at the time. This movie is, as we said, directed by the great Antoine Fuqua. It was written by David Ayer. We recently did a movie back in May when we did Fury. David Ayers wrote and directed that. David Ayers also gets the unfortunate thing pinned on him of being the original Suicide Squad writer, director, although the studio interfered with it a bunch. So thanks to David Ayers' sacrifice, we were able to get a pretty amazing version of The Suicide Squad by Mr. James Gunn. So David Ayers was the martyr for us to get a better version, having been fucked over royally by the studio when he tried to put his movie out um, earlier. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that did not work out too well. And a, a quick update, too. They're 16 years apart, which I never would have thought. Oh, no, no, I know. Not bad. Denzel's a little looks a little older. <laughs> Although, I think... I think, now, uh, I think I think Ethan Hawke's catching up Oh, yeah, sure. he is now. Yeah. yeah, he definitely looks a little <laughs> older now. This actually stars, as we're saying, the great Denzel Washington, the great Ethan Hawke, Scott Glenn, Cliff Curtis, once again, the man oh from God. New Zealand playing everything but a New Zealander. Seriously, fucking poor guy. <laughs> if he, can we, are we ever going to actually watch a movie where he plays in New Zealand? I don't think he's done it. I don't know. So far, this will be his second movie that he's been in for us, but he was uh, an Iraqi immigrant in the first the movie. Refugee. And now he's playing a Mexican cholo in this one, and he is from New Zealand. Yep. So we'll... Maybe one day he'll be in a New Zealand film. <laughs> Maybe one. Taika Waititi, can you please like cast him? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like seriously. I know. I don't think Taika knows that he's. He in probably New doesn't Zealand. know either. He's like, oh my god, <laughs> I know. didn't know that you've been doing. It also stars the gorgeous Ava Mendez, Mr. Tom Berenger, and we get some great quick cameos from Dr. Dre and Snoop. D-O-double-G. Oh, that yes. is correct. Snoop Dogg are both in this film briefly. And Miss Macy Gray. This one, she was like popular, and then yes. she just fell off. I, I left her off because I don't think most people... No one no one probably knows who that is. Even people of my age are still like, oh, yeah, that's right, Macy Gray. Like, she had, like, two songs, yeah. and then that was Did it. She had that, hey, she had that song. She, but she's in she training. She had that song on TRL for a little bit, and then she kind of fell off. This is 20 years ago, so she has long since fallen off. She's gone. This was made on a budget of $45 million. It grossed 104.9. So right off the bat, you can see that people were ready to go back to the theater a couple of weeks after 9-11 and try to... Take a little time off and forget the craziness of that time. This movie runs in at two hours and two minutes. It's a very fast two hours and two minutes. And as Matt already ruined, there's only two people who die in this film, which is quite surprising considering there's a lot of gun violence in it, but also very realistic, which we will we'll get into as we go further. But uh, you forget that only two people kick the bucket in this film. Feels like more, but it's not. Now, Matt, I don't know how much you've studied your company that you work for's ratings on this one, but I'm going to once again let you guess to see if you know it. 
What do you think the great folks at the place you work and love place I and work cherish and, love. and worship, oh the Internet Movie Database, where you drink tea out of porcelain cups and talk about who should be in the next Criterion Collection? <laughs> Different kind of. <laughs> and, and if it has A24 vibes, <laughs> what do you think all of you clowns over there? Yeah, I've been, I've been really it. busy working on that whole IMDB TV thing. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll go seven, seven... Seven nine. That's what it probably should That's have got. Should have got. Got a seven point seven. Seven point seven. Yes. Because so, I, I knew it couldn't you know. have gone to the eights. There's no way. No. It only got one Oscar, so you can't. Yeah. I know. Unless, no, it was a surprise. Unless Oscar, you're the professional. Too. No Oscars. No Oscar nominations. Eight five. Eight All five. Day. Eight fucking five. Maybe what's his name fucking works for IGB too. He's one of the editors in chief. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe 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 paid them off big to keep some things quiet. However, critics weren't big on this one. They gave it a seventy three over the Rotten Tomatoes, while audiences give it an eighty nine. There was a crime writer, James Elroy, who said that this movie was a complete waste of time. I disagree with Mr. James Elroy. I don't believe this is a big waste of time. I find this to be a pretty cool look at the L.A. crime scene. Considering that this movie is about a dirty cop played by a black man, as a most a lot of dirty cops oh, yeah. in the LAPD have been of Caucasian persuasion yeah. for the most part. It definitely flips it on its ear for the fact that it is uh, not uh, par for the course as far as when you look at who it is. David Ayers, we said, who wrote it, he was the only writer to work on this script. It is such a rarity in Hollywood, which is stunning that so many fingers are in the pie to make a movie. You're surprised anything is out. I mean, you can always tell when too many people have because it's oh, yeah. just a discombobulated story. But he was congratulated on a call from the chairman of Warner Brothers because he was the only person to do any of the rights, rewrites, any of it. He was the only sole writer. He got a very rare nod early in his career to being the only person to touch this script. So they even allowed him to do all the corrections, everything that they everything. wanted Everything, exactly. That's Yeah. So that's so quite yeah, a question. Yeah. Because normally then they hire in, like, fucking Josh Whedon comes in. And he, like, gives a... They're like, did you even read the beginning of the script? He's like, well, in the end, it's going to be Tony Stark. <laughs> and they're like, dude, stop. Stop. Josh, Josh Whedon, you, you, you fucking suck at writing. I'm so glad his career's like done. Oh, I think I think we're gonna find a few movies for you for him. I think I think you're a big fan of Josh Reed. He doesn't have H24 vibes. I know. I, I do. I do. Li- I do <laughs> like Cabin in the Woods. Obviously, like that. But he's a douchebag. Fuck him though. <laughs> and that was the, Drew. Drew was uh, better. If it wasn't for Drew, then it would have been fucked. Maybe. Speaking of fucked. The word fucked is used over yeah. 211 times <laughs> in this movie. That's crazy. <laughs> I guess it is used a lot, man. I just don't, you don't realize that's where it. That are, Maybe because I say the word fucked a lot. R rating came from. Hard, hard R. 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 Yeah. It, was like, it was an erect R. <laughs> it wasn't even beyond hard. It was like an erection lasting more than eight hours. That's how hard it was. <laughs> but David Ayers, when this movie came out, Many of the viewers and critics were skeptical of the scene that we really aren't going to get into, but where Mr. Jake Hoyt, played by Ethan Hawke, smokes some marijuana laced with PCP. It's a thing that Matt likes to say. I didn't know you like to get wet. That Mr. Alonzo gave to him. And then he explains why he took the drugs, why it was okay. They all thought that's bullshit. There's no way that the police would ever allow their own undercovers to do any kind of drugs. So Mr. Ayers responded in an interview by holding up a highlighted section of the LAPD's rules and regulations where it states that all Officers were allowed to use narcotics in a very specific undercover situation and hewed exactly to what Alonzo told Jake. So, 
It must have been very, very redeeming for David Ayers to hold that piece of paper up and shove it up the people who don't know yeah, anything's asses. To, uh, clearly, that guy didn't watch Rush with Jason Patrick in the 80s because <laughs> that's literally about an undercover cop that becomes a heroin addict. <laughs> fucking Christ. Like, you would get shot. Shot fucking dead. Like, if you're an undercover cop and you're not... They hand, someone hands you drugs and you just, no, nah, I'm good for now. Like, okay, then some questions are going to fucking, going to get at, like, questions are definitely going to be being asked. I think some people get their information from, like, small town cops or, you know, people who oh, are in yeah. major cities who say, oh, they would never do it that way. Well, just because they don't do it that way in Boise, Idaho, yeah. where people are fucking there's potatoes, no, no one gives there's a no, shit. There's no undercover cop in the village of Whitesboro. It's fucking called Whitesboro. It's got a fucking, literally, the village is named, is a, is a racist name. You don't need an undercover cop here. So you're saying it's a borough of whites? That's, yeah, pretty much. A borough for just whites? so bad. Worst fucking name <laughs> of a village. Whites, and it's in it's in the township of White's Town. So it's like, Jesus Christ. There was probably some fucking asshole with the last name White that, back in the day, that lived there. <laughs> Wouldn't it be just an ironic twist if it was a black man who was a slave oh, and his no, last name was White, and it's hit, named you, after you, him and his town? You have no you, idea. You, and here you are. No, okay. just just dispurging. No, I'm not. I'm not. This runaway slave's town, Matthew. I'm not. Unbelievable. They're uh, even funnier. <laughs> they're the village crest for Whitesboro is a white man. Choking an Indian to death. So kind of like Pawnee on Parks it really is. Like I'm pretty sure they, that's where they came up with it from because they did make fun of it on Comedy Central because they came there years ago and talked about how they were going to try to reinvent the the sign and then they kept it and they argued it was a ceremonial fight between a white man and a Native American man. But 100% in the picture, the, the white man has the upper hand. He's choking him to death. There's no part of a wrestling you match. <laughs> you don't put your hands around someone's throat during like a wrestling match. That's attempted murder. As you know, back in the day, the whites and Indians <laughs> were known to have these <laughs> ceremonial, you know, scuttlebutts. Just yeah. little uh, smoke, <laughs> Donnie smoked Brooks. A <laughs> smoked a pipe together and then they got in a good old Donnie Brook. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, the top five reasons to watch this movie. Number one. Denzel Washington's Academy Award winning, but even more, I think, iconic performance. I did not research, but way back when, I'm trying to remember what movie we did with Denzel in it that we also did his... Oh, Glory. Glory, that's right. We did When we did Glory, we did our five favorite movies of him. And I'm going to go now check right now. Yes, we both picked this as our favorite performance of his in his career. We both picked Training Day. I still think it's it's his most recognizable performance ever. Oh, easily. I think this is his performance. I think he was a great actor prior to this performance, but I think this performance cemented him as who he is, and I think it has carried with him forever. I think it will always be his best performance. He is electric from the moment he comes on screen. The way that dialogue was written and he uses it is absolutely scintillating. You are just blown away from the first moment you see him. Like when they're at that coffee shop. Yeah. And oh he asks him, do you want to have breakfast? And he's like, no. And then he decides later he's going to. And he goes, oh, that, that ship is fucking sailed. And then he won't leave alone reading the paper. And so he goes, tell me a story. And he fucking makes fun of his story. And then he gets up and goes, now pay for my breakfast. Like He just fucking is a whirlwind. And it's done so calmly to open it. Like, unreal. His dialogue comes out so naturally that you feel like everything's ad-libbed. Like, it's like, he's just so lived in it's it's unreal tell me a story wait like my story no not your story a story since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper tell me a story 
I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now, go. Well, there was a DUI stop. A DUI stop? Wow, let me load up my guns. <laughs> a DUI? Oh, shit. Well, I, listen, all right, it's good. We were on Midwatch. Oh, we and, Oh, uh, me and Debbie. Who's Debbie? Uh, sh oh, I'm sorry, uh, Debbie Maxwell, my training officer. You got a female training officer? Yes, sir. Okay, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> so what was she, black, white? She was white. Uh-huh. Liquor license? A what? A lick her license. Was she a dyke, a lesbian? Oh. Is she any good? Is she yeah, any good? She's, she's pretty good. Okay, so pretty good, Debbie, mid-watch, go. Right, uh, all right, well, so it was a real quiet night. Boom! <laughs> you never know, that's the point. Go. All right, well, it was it was quiet night. Uh, we're rolling on Vando and I'm driving. Uh, this Acura, just a beautiful car, comes out of side street, all over the median, in excess. I light it up, hit the whaler. Guy drives on like I'm invisible for 10 blocks before he pulls over. All right, plates run clean, and so I feel test and arrest, and I'm, I'm belting him in our unit, and Debbie's tossing his car. She calls me over to the vehicle and shows me a Snub 38 and two shotguns fully loaded and locked. No shit. No shit. So... Uh, she calls our supervisor, and I keep searching. I find 500 grams of meth in the dash. Turns out this DUI is on bail for distribution. It's on his way to smoke his ex-partner before trial. Boom. We prevented a murder. You got him. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. That you could be out there with a fine bitch for a year, and the most entertaining story that you can come up with to tell me is a drunk stop. But I don't believe you. You tapped that ass, didn't you? Tell the truth. <laughs> you know you tapped that ass. You put it in the back seat. Bam. Code X. But man, I got a wife. You got a dick. You do have a dick, don't you? Yes. Okay, your dick lines up straight like that, right? To the right of it and to the left of it are pockets, right? In those pockets are money. Look in either one of them. Pay the bill. Yeah, he brings this character to life. Like, if you're a great actor, you become that character, and you forget that it's Denzel. Like, he was his character. Yeah. Like, I forgot that it was Denzel. I was like, oh, sh every time I see Denzel, I actually didn't yeah, think that just, he's going to at any minute. Like, this is Alonzo. Bring it to that character. This is fucking Alonzo. It's not Denzel. Yeah, it's it's his favorite yeah, character that he's ever played too. I didn't realize it because I figured rewatching this and thinking about knowing that he won the Oscar for this, I always thought it was like, oh wow, yeah, you know, he probably just swept like up until then. He didn't. It was uh, Russell. Crow was like sweeping for a beautiful, beautiful mind, mind, and this was the upset. Which fuck a beautiful mind. I don't really like that movie, and I don't like care for Russell Crowe that much either. It's based on a true story, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it was a decent movie, but it didn't. It wasn't like yeah, this. This, this movie can, was just in your fucking yeah, face. Comparing the two of them. Other funny thing. You recognize that coffee shop at all? Yes, it has been used in seven. And a couple other movies. I'm trying to think of the other movies. Come that on, they, that come I, that on. I One's got about. Nick in it. Oh yeah, uh, Gone in sixty yeah. seconds. It's yeah, Ghost one. World. It's amazing how they were able to, you know, just by you know your production design and the lighting. How it's a coffee shop in L.A. Seven is kind of based on being New, New York, York City, City yeah. without ever really saying <laughs> so what city dark. you're in, but you can tell it's New York City. It's supposed to be dark and gray, and the guy who wrote it, he was he was living in New York City at the time, and it was a dark and gloomy fall kind of thing. So just weird. But then when they light it up in this one, it's so bright. Yeah. You know, it's oh, just yeah. a very different different look. Not only is this Denzel's favorite character, but to give him more authenticity, he actually decided to have the same exact 
look as a former LAPD officer and disgraced officer at that, Rafael Perez. So he based his look and performance on him. Now, there is a scene, Matt, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a scene where he pulls out his two guns and points them at a person. I think it's coming up in our number two version. The when he rubs the two guns together and points them at him, completely ad-libbed. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Absolutely, completely improvised. Yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, yeah, he ad-libbed that, and another big thing that we'll get it into is, later. But it is fucking intimidating as hell it when he does it, too. It it's just intimidating. Even in a, well, in a scene that we won't talk about when he fires off both of them at the same time, he even shoots them correctly because they yes. both have the same, what is it? They, they, they both, both eject from, from the right. right. Yeah. So in it, you know, if you've seen it, you would think, oh, it's like a gangster holding a gun like he's got one side. No, he's actually holding them correctly because the one's tilted well one way. say what you want gangster or not the way he fires him off walks in that scene the confidence oh, you're just yeah, like yeah. you're just like god damn like the last person i saw that confidently shoot two guns was i think mr white when he shoots the cops in fucking reservoir dogs yeah, yeah. oh yeah he just kind of walks in man he, he is just unbelievable so in this performance the commanding way he is, when Snoop Dogg's actually in it, Snoop Dogg makes the mistake of swallowing some drugs, and I love how he just takes that fucking pen and Shows just sticks it, it oh, in his fucking mouth. Gags him with it. He's like, what, what's that? He's like, it's fucking crack. And he's like, yeah, Jimmy Crack Corn. Oh my, he cool. fucks with Because he, he uh, does, he just antagonizes the whole time. And it, again, he is so lived in it that it just, it just feels like it's just real. Who you working for? Told you I don't work for nobody, man. Why the fuck is y'all sweating me any motherfucking way, man? Where the rocks at? I ain't got nothing on me. I gave it up, dog. Where the rocks at? Open your mouth. What is you, a doctor now? I'm a dentist. Open your mouth. Lift up your tongue. Ah. I ain't got shit. Your partner already didn't search me. I'm straight. Okay. You got a pen? Got a right pen? You ain't got nothing in there, bro. Huh? Nothing, man. Come on, got nothing, huh? God! Damn! Now, what is that? Motherfucking crack, nigga. That's right. Jimmy crack corn. One, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, you federally fucked now. You got crack and a gun. Now, you know with your record, you can get 10 years per bullet. Do you know that? Man. Now, you gonna give me a name now. Come on, man. You That's know 10 ain't no right snitch, there, dog. Man. I know you ain't no snitch. Give me a name. That's Fuck! Give me a name. That's 30 years. You want to go to jail, you want to go home? In the county, man. Who? This nigga named Sandman. That's all the fuck I know, man. Shit. Sandman. Sandman. See how easy that was? Unhook him. Sick of this shit, man. You want to collect the evidence? Fuck that, man. <laughs> My nigga. I'm sorry, Mr. True Crime Writer, that doesn't like this or doesn't think that this is real. James Should Elroy. probably go yeah. sit, hang out and like uh, with some more cops, probably. Well, obviously, the real dirty ones aren't letting you hang around them because then you're going to fucking write about them and then are they going to have to fucking yeah. make you disappear. He has a great way of, like you said, living in the character. He's a living, breathing embodiment of Alonzo. And he is just a fucking mad dog when I was on scene. And he doesn't have to do any of the, you know, 
<laughs> like someone we may be getting into in a movie in a week or two. But like when Al Pacino's on screen, sometimes Al Pacino is like a firecracker yeah, that it, like yeah. the like the wick went out and I'll <laughs> be like, oh, and then all of a sudden it kicks back and it blows up in your <laughs> yeah, hand. You, you know, does. you're kind of like <laughs> that. Really is Al Pacino's acting. <laughs> like my favorite scene in a movie we may or may not be talking about soon enough uh, that may involve a bank robbery. But he sits at a table and he's like, "Give me all you got!" And he just starts shaking, "Give me all you got!" Yeah. Like he just like loses his mind. Like out of the blue, he just goes up like a firecracker. Denzel doesn't have to do that. He just he can raise his voice when he has to, but it's just the way his look and his body language and just the whole way he embodies that character and the way he looks at you and the way you know he drops the my n word to be the way he just says things and looks at people and I don't know, man. He is just so amazing that the fact that his uh, Academy Award he became the first black actor to yeah. win an Academy Award while being directed black by man, a black yeah, man which is crazy. director which is just fucking nuts because they needed all those white ago, people amazing. to tell you how black people act uh, they're like oh no their, their performance was so much better than that one no it wasn't you were wrong number two our number two reason is what I'm calling the alleyway scuffle now after some stuff has gone down and poor Mr. Jake has Inadvertently smoked some weed that was laced with PCP, and he's tripping like a motherfucker. He got off of the stoner from Cabin in the Woods. Yes, I, it was great when I saw him. Look, boom, like there he shit. was. He said three seconds. He said three, three seconds. Three and seconds. you know, in that too, they probably had to like he's wearing baggy clothes again, so they can't show that he's like super. Well, who knows ch- if he was just jacked then? Because this is tw- this is this ten is, years. Yeah. It'd be t- a decade before he'd get the Cabin in so the Woods fun. role. So typecast as a stoner. <laughs> Oh, I I thought it was also awesome, though, that when they did pull them over, them being white in a black neighborhood, I just love how they were, like, shit in their pants. Like, oh, I just yeah. love how they didn't even ask to see badges. Like, there was a point where I was they, like, they these just, kids they are just so... They knew they fucked up. They were scared. scared. They were fucking scared. Yeah. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. So good. But yes. But yeah, so they're high driving down the road, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of his eye... Mr. Jake Hoyt sees some commotion in an alleyway and tells Denzel to pull over. Denzel doesn't immediately pull over, so Jake kind of jumps out of the car as it's slowly moving, runs down an alleyway where two meth-head fucking crackhead homeless people are trying to rape a voluptuous young Latina girl. Now, I know in the movie... They say she's 14. I'm telling you right now, the actress who played her did not look 14. I actually won. It wasn't until he said the line because he looks at her license later on. I was like, she's like 20s or something. Like, I was like, she's only 14. I was like, 14? It's like one of those 902 and 0 castings. You know, oh, yeah. They cast a 30 year old to play a 12 year old. 30 year olds going to college. <laughs> I'm 21. <laughs> Fuck out of here, you're 21. So they're trying to rape her, and Jake jumps in PCP in him and all now. I will uh, invoke this to you, Mr. LaPlante. PCP, one of its main elements is that you don't feel pain. So PCP, people think that if you're on PCP, you're like Hulk. Like you can suddenly do great feats of strength. It's not so much you can do great feats of strength. It's that your pain um, nodules are turned way down to the point where you can almost not feel them. Little backstory for you folks. I was an undercover drug agent myself back in my military days and went to some training. And during the training, a person from Washington, D.C. talked about one time he and his partner rolled up on a gentleman who was on PCP. And he was in an argument with his girlfriend. She was trying to leave in her car. And he was kicking her metal door soccer style. He had broken his toes several times but didn't even feel it. He ran away from them with smashed in toes. Yeah. 
I believe it. Sink it's that. Let that sink crazy. in your head. Um, Smashed in toast. Now, if you also know a little bit about Rodney King, it may be one of the reasons he was able to survive. survive I don't know, but beating, one yeah, of the reasons is, and one of the reasons he took the beating and kept trying to get up is because he couldn't feel it. Like he wasn't feeling it like a normal person would. Like if anyone's seen the video, the severe beating that he took at the hands of the Billy clubs that they had it was scum, scumbag um, officers. Was a lot. Piece of shit was a lot. He, they beat him bad, but I think the. I mean, the reason he kept getting up and didn't initially yeah. probably fall and die right then and there is because he was high on PCP. I'm not saying it saved them, saved them but no, it may have it definitely, definitely. It, it may does. have also prolonged the beating too because you know these officers are probably thinking, why is he still getting up? Yeah. You know, I had a biology teacher that he told me a, a story once of when he was a EMT because he showed up to help out a guy that was on PCP. They had him and the, <laughs> they put him, loaded him up, and they got ready to drive away. And instead of opening like the back door, which I, I don't know if it was locked or if it wasn't locked, he broke through the window of the ambulance. And climbed out that way, cutting himself all up. Then they had called the cops. The cops cuffed him, got him into a car. He broke out of that window using his head, climbed out of that one. Yeah, they, <laughs> like, like there's, there's no pain. No. So, yeah, <laughs> there's no pain in the moment. Later like, oh, on, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it rushes in. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that fucking wethead yeah. who kicked what? the fucking yeah. car and broke his feet was probably crippling pain the next god, day yeah. afterwards. Oh, my God. But the reason I bring this up is Mr... Jake Hoyt goes and fights these two gentlemen, fights them. They get into a fight with him, and he's lucky because he almost loses his weapon. He's lucky he didn't get killed in this fight. Meanwhile, <laughs> Mr. Lonzo is just chilling, watching to see how he reacts. Yeah, kind of a fucked up first training day. A cigarette. He just gets out and pulls out a cool and lights it. Just sitting there chilling. But that's why I believe Jake Hoyt was also able to take the beating and keep going. So it's not one of those weird, like, oh, he's heroic. Oh, yeah. I don't think he felt the pain. Because he was choking that one guy out, and he's just straight getting kicked, like, in the ribs yeah, and in the yeah. side. Beats their ass. And then, I thought this was great. These dudes talk some shit. Straight shit to those two. The one black guy, without realizing that they're cops, starts talking smash it, tells him to suck his dick. I love Denzel. Yeah. Puts him up you against the suck fence. My, suck my, your <laughs> dick, oh, bitch. You said I was suck your dick, bitch. <laughs> He's got the gun in his face. So good. And he wants to kill him, but Jake's the one who doesn't doesn't let him kill him. <laughs> yeah. So you like raping young girls? Hmm? You like to rape young girls? That's your mo? No. No, That's what you like, no. isn't it? You like to rape young girls. No. That's what you like to do, right? Don't lie to me. You told me to suck your dick, bitch. Isn't that what you said to me? Look at me. You want me to suck your dick. That's what you said, right? Now what you said? Hmm? Didn't you say suck my dick, bitch? Don't lie to me. That's what you said. You telling me I'm a liar? You didn't say suck my dick, bitch. That's not what you said to me. So I'm lying. Am I lying? No. Huh? Where is it? I can't even find it. Let me see. Put your pants down. Come down. Which nut you want? I believe you one nut. Which one you want? Make a choice. Make a decision. Just make a decision. All right. All right. Put your hands on your head. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. So Jake walks away, finds the wallet of the girl, picks it up, puts it in his pocket. We kind of find out that from shit she says to them that she's a, like her family is related to a, a gang that's made up. We'll talk about that in a little bit. The guy then is like, keeps like the white guy is calling Jake a bitch as he's walking away. That's right, bitch, you better walk yeah, away. Yeah, he's that. like still threatening him. I'll be honest with you. This is L.A. 
Right? Clearly, I've just smoked some PCP, and my partner was about to kill them anyways. I go back, and I grab that motherfucker's back of his head, and I knee his motherfucking right in the mouth. I do. I do. I'm oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, no. He's, he's lucky he's not going to prison to be raped anyway, so me kneeing this bitch in the face is me saying, you getting off with a warning. Yeah. If my adrenaline's <laughs> up, I just fought two guys. And now you're going to talk shit. This dude's now still talking shit. He's talking shit about cuff, too. I know. I know. He's like, this I'm, is I'm like, fucking him up. I'm, just, like, I'm, not, I'm not killing him. I'm not overdoing it, but I'm definitely yeah. grabbing it by the... And like one of my favorite movies too, Black Rain, which I hope we get into at one point. But there's a scene in Black Rain where they're flying across the, the pond. They're going over to Japan. They've got this uh, Yakuza guy next to them. And he says something or makes him, um, something to Michael Douglas' character. And Michael Douglas kind of looks around and he just kind of like throws his elbow quick. Like he's stretching and elbows the guy right in the jaw. And his partner looks at him. And he goes, what, well, I'm stretching. Like, I just love those little moments. Just a little like, you Black know. Black Rain is totally like, you know, underrated you. in general. So oh, it's amazing. <laughs> but there's some, you know, you've done it with your siblings. Like, you know, your parents aren't looking. You do something to them. You give them a little jab. We've all done it. But this cocksucker no, talking yeah, all still, that shit going. after trying to rape. Fuck that, yeah. My question. So you're Jake Hoyt. One, do you just let Lonzo light these bitches up? I think he was going to stab him, too. I think he was going to no, shoot he him. Didn't he plug a knife yeah. out, too? Yeah. Do you let him just do it because of what they well, were trying it, to was do? That his, I no, he took the knife from them. That was one. That was their weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah one of their knives, I believe. Yeah. Do you let him just do what they have to do? Put these two pieces of shit out out the pasture. Yeah, might as That's well. That's my first question. My <laughs> my follow up question is going to be: If that doesn't happen, do you also let this dude talk shit to you? No. Do you give him a little a little party gift? Alonzo can do whatever the fuck he wants in my presence up until. Later events that we get into, yes, no. So Alonzo, I would fully, I would fully allow him to do whatever what he wants with these uh, fucking scumbag, the rapist motherfuckers. And secondly, to, 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 for the second half of that question, as Jake White walking away, I would have came back and beat the fucking brakes off that fucking asshole. <laughs> because first of all, he's the one that tried to sucker punch him, hiding. He was hiding. When he comes up, he he sneaks up on him. Well, was he hiding or was he trying? He to was, he on top. I think he was the one who was first on top or trying to, was, to rape. He's her, off wasn't to he? the right because when he comes, because the, the black the black gentleman was uh, attempting to was getting was getting ready to rape her. He, he's kind of like ducked away. I don't know if he was hiding like to be a lookout for oh, them. Maybe he was off to the back and he was just stroking some her. shit oh, like that. Maybe he was doing one of those. And then oh. the fact that after he just watched this guy now get his ass kicked and. Get his fucking nuts threatened to be fucking blown off by a forty-five, and he still has the balls to keep talking shit. Uh, this means this man is literally going to repeat offend later this night, later tonight. Oh, they're both going to try to get free and go rape somebody. Like literally, <laughs> that's, that's the, their, that was their plan. Like, so, you're literally they know what's his name from Predator. It's five o'clock. Oh, right, right, right he's from yeah, exactly. Like, are. yeah, this might be like his dad. Actually, <laughs> like that could be his father. <laughs> But yeah, fuck that. Go back, leave the cuffs on, and just yeah, to fucking beat him senseless until he at least stops talking shit like the other one. The other one hasn't said a fucking goddamn word since he took both those to the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> since he yeah, since he told what's his name suck my dick. I love he says pick one left or right. You losing one nut, pick which one you want to keep. This is so such a threat. Uh, I kind of wish he did it. I wish he had just let him. Pull the trigger. But I guess they're also trying to keep the credibility of the film. Yeah. You know, like if he shoots him in the dick, oh, which would have been fantastic. It's hard to move on from the rest of the Oh, wow. He's like, shit. There. There was police brutality yeah. just jumped up to murder. Plus, it just leaves in your mind. Like, you know, most likely within a week, if that, there's a certain gang that's gonna fucking find these two on the street. 
and do God, the, the God knows what done. It's not going to be a quick, like, Alonzo, like, <laughs> oh, he shot him quick and they're dead. No. That, that gang finds them? It's not going to be fun. It's going to be a very slow, drawn-out <laughs> death for both of those men. Because, oh, the smiley, smiley, old, smiley, old, they're, they're going to be pushing. Smiley and the shit They're going to be pushing some shit in. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, but before we get to Smiley, uh, some other uh, events happen. So it's a whirlwind of a day for Mr. Hoyt. And as the day goes on, it's a very meticulously planned out day, actually, that we eventually find out that Alonzo has, has done. And that we start to realize that maybe Jake is there more as a pawn and less as a trainee. And that is put into crystal clear perspective with the third reason you should watch this movie. Number three. And that is the seizure. Now, a little background on the seizure is early on in the day, after he gets wet, and I think after, really, after they just save this girl, yeah. they, they go, go to this me. nice house up in the yep. hills. Or no, it's before, it's before they, uh, they go to Scott Glenn's house before uh, the alleyway fight. Is it? Yep. Okay. Just before it. So they go to Scott Glenn's house, and he's hanging out, talking with Lonzo, and you can tell he's somebody, and we have an idea he may be a dealer or something, but clearly... As is prevalent in the world of policing, you have CIs. So sometimes CIs are given a little leeway to continue doing their minor crimes if they continue to give you information that brings in bigger fish. So we get the feeling, though, that this gentleman might be a bigger fish. But he's talking with Lonzo, and so it's a great little moment. Lo and behold, as day goes on, all of a sudden, we realize that Lonzo owes a lot of money to the Russian mob because... He went to Vegas the weekend before. He let his temper that we see on display in the movie. He flies off the handle because he got a very fast trigger temper. He ends up beating a Russian mob member to death. And now owes them a sizable amount of money to keep his own life alive. Yeah, what is it? A quarter of a million? So part of his plan. I, I thought it was more, more than, than that. that. I may, I, yeah, maybe. It was a sizable amount. And in order to pay it off, he has come together with an elaborate scheme. And part of that scheme is he is going to knock down the door of a major drug deal. He finally gets the go-ahead to do so. Well, the man he does it to is Roger. And that's the first surprise of the film. If you've never seen the film, you don't yeah. see that coming right off the bat. Yeah. You know, because he has to go find a guy named Sandman who is, we assume he's black because he's in the in the hood. He's in the crypt territory. They sneak up. They steal this lady's money. Gets in a bit of a shootout. And so you get the feeling that, this, that you know, these two guys are no way while you're sitting there, you're thinking, oh, these two are definitely connected somehow. But somehow they are. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Dre and <laughs> what looks like the worst version of like late 90s fashion. It's like it's like the 90s oh version God, the suit, of a non-gay YMCA people, of the village people. You know what I mean? They've got the guy who plays uh, Redfoot and also the rapist. In, he's like big in the 90s films. He plays Redfoot in Usual Suspects. He's Zed in uh, Pulp yeah. Fiction. He's a part he's of the game. He's a game. part of the game. Uh, Dr. Dre's a part he of He just game. shows up too wearing like a beanie and like a... Uh... They just, they show up in, the, it's like it's like Compton version of the village people, <laughs> but from like late 90s fashion. It's that awful. Is. You look, that was the one jarring part of the film. You, was that you get that one dude like, in like, uh, like the, the Hugo Boss suit. It really is. It's like a uh, Hugo Boss suit. Like yeah. it's like, 
Oh, he was like, yeah, I fucking... I, I seen this in the fucking Macy's ad and bought it out of the catalog. They're so dumb. They're dumb because they're just showing that the fact that they're dirty as fuck. Like, he's walking around oh, as a narc wearing a suit. Well, I mean, they feel like they're protected by Lonzo because Lonzo's protected by the three wise men. So, I mean, I guess yeah, when you feel that kind of protection, you... Just let your dick hang out your pants and don't care if anyone sees it at that point. That's exactly what they and did. That's what, and that's why I kind of like the Zed's character and then uh, the other gentleman there with the the beard. Uh, he was in a bunch of like movies. He always plays like oddball characters too. Uh, the yeah. one that's telling him later on where he's like, "Oh, I'm feeling really comfortable." Um, I like them because they they yeah, show up like yeah. so plain clothes that like these guys may get like a quarter of a million dollars taxed off a sting operation that they take down. But they're just like they're literally going to like off track betting and just getting drunk and like they're they're doing the Tom Sizemore thing with their money. They're just smoking crack and doing <laughs> doing hookers, bro. The crazy thing about the whole thing is, so they go into this guy's house. They finally, you know, serve him a warrant, and Denzel tries to blame it on the three wise men. Blah 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 blah. That he owes taxes for their protection. Yada yada yada. So they're gonna. Go and get it out of this floor. Now, I was thinking, when I rewatched it, they have to cut into his floor, his linoleum floor. They cut a big square out to go and get this case of money he's got hidden underneath. My question is, how many fucking times does this guy have to redo his floor to put hide his money? Like, it doesn't well, no, seem like he, a very he says it. He said, who, wise who's place the to fuck, put it. Who's going to pay for my fucking floor? And he goes, well, the department will. So it's I get obviously it, so, happened to more than once. Well, he has more than one storage thing, though. So, like, like the guy keeps spending money. So he's saving this for his retirement. Feels like you could hide it someplace better than under your floorboards. What if the house catches fire? That wasn't a fireproof box. No, no. I know I'm probably overthinking this, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, there's... I just remember sitting there going, so every time that he wants to hide money or ever wants to get this, he's got to tear his floor up and then put more money in and then put it back under <laughs> yeah. it. Not a very smart... Fucking way to hide your fucking cash. It's not burn proof. No. The only the only benefit is is that most likely he doesn't have a basement. So Well, the other thing is why is he so buddy buddy with Denzel that he would even tell him where this money, where it is? Because Denzel knows exactly where it is. Yeah, he, I mean Denzel knows exactly he doesn't even need a treasure. Right map. there. Denzel could just he piss points, on the floor and knows points exactly right where it is. Where, right? <laughs> yeah, it was right, like right there. there. He's better at what's in the floor than fucking the Jew hunter and Seriously, the that's, that's exactly. He had to what ask it. if they're under the floor. He's like, they're right there. Like, he's he like, exactly yep, nope, where there. That's where the fucking money is. Fucking crazy. So after they take this guy's money, and it's funny because we're, uh, during my birthday month, we we're going to do a movie where the roles are reversed, where we have a different version of Ethan Hawke as a cop, where he's a little bit more dirty and is very okay with taking money. <laughs> yeah. But in this one, like he's almost. He almost thinks they're joking around, kind of. I know, but he he can't read the room. Like I I truly believe that the more I rewatched the movie, the more I thought the reason he was picked, he was young and naive. The reason he was picked is he was gonna be set up. He was the he was the scapegoat. He was gonna be one of those naive guys who was gonna fuck up on the job and may die on his first day because he d- isn't street savvy. Yeah, he's not street savvy at all. You know, even if he's not going to take the money, even if he's like, oh shit. You gotta pretend. You gotta, you know, I'll take something. Like, he is so, like, making everybody uncomfortable. Like, he can't even read their faces. Yeah. You know, like, every single one of them was like, no, I don't, I'm not taking it right. And, like, he thinks they're joking. And everyone's like, looking at him, like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, they're almost like questioning Lonzo, like, why the fuck is this dude? Yeah, why is he here on the first day? They, they bring it up. Why is he here on his first day? (laughs) That's a quarter million dollars you're holding right there in your hand. Over four million in here. 
first day on the job, you hit a $3 million seizure. Wait, he said four. Ah, taxation without representation, brother. Nothing's free in this world, you lucky first day motherfucker. Buy your wife a minivan with that, put the kids through college. Give me that bag. Nah, you know. The only checks I cash say uh, LAPD on them, right? <laughs> Somebody didn't sleep through ethics, did they? What's the matter? You don't want a piece of this? Huh? Well, I... No. Right? No, like this. I mean, no. <laughs> no? I mean, right, right. Okay. First time. You're not comfortable. I'll hold it for you. What about you? You comfortable? Oh, I'm comfortable. How's your comfort level? I'm very comfortable. <laughs> Come on, let's wrap this up. Right. Don't touch a thing. Evidence. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is is that you do know that um because um Dr. Dre's character there even says at one point when he wants to kill Jake, yeah. he says, oh, we should just shoot him and say that Roger got him coming through the door. Call it a day. So you kind of know that this routine of bringing like a new person to Roger is something he does regularly. Well, not just that, but it also shows that they you get one shot. Yeah. You show that you're in or you're not. You know what I mean? Like They don't even tell you that they're dirty. They're just like, you get a moment to go with them. And if you don't, Dr. Dre's car's like, fuck it, let's end it. And he's bright. I mean, with the events that happened, he was absolutely 100% right. He should have yeah, probably shot him right then and there. As fuck. However, though, man, they set his ass up. Set his ass up. Because now they're saying he's the you know he's the one who shot Roger. Because they end up killing poor Roger. No, well, they do. They hand it off. They do kill off uh, Roger. But then the way they pass it around the room. Who, who saw? No, no, yeah. but I'm saying, but everyone says that, they, they, that it was Jake who did the shooting. No, they all say different people. He said, uh, only the only one that said... New kid. No, no. Everyone says that Jake. Oh, well, they all said, say he, Jake's the one who shot him. He tells him yeah, that yeah, yeah. four like, cops. Jake's the one who shot Four cops yeah. will identify you. But when they do the roll, when he does the roll call, who who shot Roger? He, everybody points to somebody different. I don't remember that part. I think you tell him last. No, I'm telling you. Rewatch it. All right. Here's the scenario. All right. Let me quarterback this thing. Mark, Paul, you kick the door in. Jeff's the first one through. Roger opens fire. Bang, bang. Hits Jeff twice. Our new guy Hoyt. He's in second. Drops Roger with some fine shotgun work. Who shot Roger? New guy came in spraying. Paul. Boot shot him. What'd you guys see? Hoyt blasting. Yeah, fuck Hoyt, okay? Ambulance time. Done. Paul, call him up. 1149998. Shots fired. Officer down. Repeat. Officer down. 5951 Baxter Street. Congratulations, son. You're gonna get a medal of valor for this. I didn't shoot him. A room full of cops said you did. And as you can hear, Matt was wrong. So, question for you. Do you take the money? Your first day. Oh, hell yeah, you take that money. Would you take the money and just be like, fuck it, just join the team and be like, fuck it, we going dirty, you, dirty? You or would you be like, I'm well, taking it because I want to get home. You want to get home. You better take that fucking money because this, they can put your ass back yeah. into that fucking hole that they just dug out of there real quick. And yeah, you're, you could be hey, a patsy. After what you've seen up to this point, you, yeah, you gotta be like, like shit. Yeah, like, this is your fuck. Yeah, you're fucked. The only time this is where he proves himself is when he shows that he got the drop on the rest of them when he takes that shotgun back from Alonzo. Yeah. And that's the first time you see some real fear in Alonzo's eyes. I don't know if it's fear as much as surprise. It's surprise. Like, he yeah, was like, like he a, wasn't expecting him. And I think he knows 
to that if they react like the way they want to react right now that he's going to fuck that they're going to be they're acting dumb and like he said like he's the quarterback of this team he needs to fucking quarterback it or they're just a bunch of dirty loose cannon cops that you know they need someone to give direction because if not alonzo dies they shoot him alonzo's going like his closed casket for him yeah well (laughs) (laughs) foreshadowing For whatever smarts he may or may not have, I'm you're hoping he's learning, but he doesn't seem to have many street smarts as far as this goes. He doesn't, like I said, doesn't know how to read the room. But if I'm in his shoes, I take the money because I can read the room and I know immediately that they're serious. Maybe the first time they offer you the money, like, man, man don't be fucking with me. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, don't, don't try to get me day one. You know, you kind of play it off. But then when they start to show that they're serious and they're taking it, then you obviously go, oh, I, you know, give me, my, give me my cut kind of thing. You know, you stay with it. My question for you, though, he asked him to shoot Roger. He told him he's got to shoot him. Got to get his hands wet. Do you shoot Roger or do you let it transpire the way it transpires? That's a tough one. Reminding you that this is after he's already passed on the money. He's already passed on the money. Uh, Yeah, because at, at that point, I don't know. It's such a tough one to say because if if watching from the audience, even though like you're you. And my opinion, when no matter how many times you watch this film, you kind of always are just following with, and you are Ethan Hawke's character, Jake. You might as well fucking do it because the way that they he set it up and rigged it right there is you're gonna be listed as the one that came through the door and got him. So whether you actually pull the trigger or don't pull the fucking trigger on that report, it's written. That he uh, pulls the trigger. Yeah, you're gonna do the time even if you didn't do the crime. Yeah, that's yeah, basically exactly. what's gonna happen. Like, that's, so at this at that point, it's like fuck it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, 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 where, what's the difference? Yeah, you know? like what it, what is the difference? Like yeah, it's not on his your your actual conscience, but on paper and <laughs> in, in in history, I wonder what he thought this job was. You know, I, this, like the whole thing seems like he thought he was some kind of Boy Scout. He was, you know yeah, what I mean? Like I don't know what he thought this job was supposed to be. He really, yeah, he is he is a Boy Scout, but yeah. Shooting Roger again, that's the thing. They are dirty cops, but like he says, like he sold drugs to kids. Roger is not a good person, and that's what's so good about this movie is the way they introduce yes. Roger to you. They make him into yes. a good person, they make him into like an everyday person. Like, yes. oh, Roger's you know, he's not uh, he's not dealing drugs and getting kids addicted, you know, he's just giving drugs to people that are they're of their own volition, they're making this decision for themselves. Like, no, Roger is a scumbag. Yeah, he even gets a phone call the first time you meet him. Someone who works for him got themselves into some trouble, and he's like, You got yourself into this, you figure it out, and he kind of hangs up on yeah. the person. We have no idea context the context, but we get the idea that someone fucked up. He's like, Fuck it, good luck yeah, to you, exactly. Like, yeah, he's, he's a piece of shit. So yeah, fuck that shit. Blast Roger. Minus fucking one. <laughs> That's also the great thing about this movie is it does show you, unlike, you know, like the lethal weapons of well, the one crazy cop can only hit, you know. Yeah. Yippee God, yay, motherfucker, that kind of stuff. Is it does show you that, you know, our perception of what it takes to get a job done. It's not as simple as doing everything by the book and being good. Because much like one, you know, I, I hate to always bring up being a war, but one when George Bush landed said the war was over and there was no more people wearing uniforms, and that's what would you know you have with terrorism, is the enemy doesn't always wear an, an outfit. You know what I mean? It's not as simple as Batman and Robin are in capes and the bad guys are in elaborate costumes. Anybody could be the danger that you're walking around oh, yeah. with. You know, it's the reality of life. So, you know, yes, there's always collateral damage with everything that happens in life, unfortunately, but sometimes sometimes you do have to get your hands wet in order to get things done. And that's what this movie really is trying to show, that it's not just an easy, 
oh, we're just going to uh, arrest the bad guy and, and put them away kind of uh, fictionalized mentality that we have about how policing works. However, at the end of this scene, for those of you watching for the first time, pay attention to Denzel Washington. He's on the phone. He takes a phone call. And during this phone call, he happens to say something that I caught the last time around. He happens to say, make sure your tub's clean. And it's that comment that he makes that will lead us to the fourth reason to watch this movie. Number four. And that's Smiley's place. <laughs> Once again, Smiley. Smiley. Played by. Played <laughs> right by. The amazing. The Mexican-American Mexican <laughs> Played by New Zealand actor Cliff Curtis. Poor Cliff. Just <laughs> any, this poor Just guy. That's Hollywood. Like, hey, you've got olive-colored you got skin. you got olive-colored skin, dark skin. and dark black hair. They're like perfect. Jesus Christ. You could, be, you could be Mexican this week. Jesus. You could be Iraqi next week. And the funny thing is, is the other two actual Mexican-American actors are actually I know. Mexican-Americans. Oh, how about this? Here's uh, how bad it is. The first time I remember Cliff Curtis is in this role. Yeah. Sad thing That's is, how they, is like, oh, they got a Mexican guy to play an Iraqi guy. Like, it's just, no, yeah, like, I, I thought Cliff Curtis was black. I didn't know his name was Cliff Curtis, so I'm assuming it's like Jesus. Luis Gonzalez or something like that, you know. Because he looked at, he looked, played the part perfectly. I give him credit. I had no idea. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't stop the movie halfway through or do like the old uh, VH1. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was that? Bubble yeah, music, yeah. The, 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 music, the uh, bubbles, pop right, up video. Pop up so video. Good. Yeah. They don't have those things. Pop up all the time. Because yeah, and again, even uh, even in fucking Sunshine, did, did, was he even whoever who was he? What was he supposed to play in Sunshine? They didn't. They didn't say. say. So that's the only one where we're like, they definitely he wasn't from New Zealand. Let's <laughs> just say yes. that he didn't speak. He didn't speak with an accent. So, so no, he was American. He definitely wasn't in that New one. Fucking he was an Christ. American. Maybe maybe. Maybe Indian American, Indian. and I mean like from India, you know, not like it's another thing about America. Poor we came guy. over here looking for Indians because they were from over in India, and we found a new land, and we knew they weren't Indians, but we called them Indians anyways. God bless America. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. So this is a great scene. He is brought over to this house, and they get in there, and Denzel excuses himself because he's got to go to the bathroom. And so Jake's a little uncomfortable. He sits down, starts playing some cards. And then he's like, you know, I don't think I should play. And they're like, oh, don't worry about it. Alonzo's in there taking a shit or something like that. So you've got a while. So he sits there. He starts to play cards. <laughs> now, this gang is called the uh, Hillside Trace. Uh, they are a fictional Hispanic gang. But they are based on real-life Hispanic Suerno, uh, street gangs from L.A. A common feature of many of the Serrano street gangs is the number 13, which corresponds to the letter M. And in Spanish is La Ema. This is also big with the Mexican uh, Mafia and in prison gangs who are usually affiliated with it. In preparing for this role as Smiley, New Zealand <laughs> Maori actor Cliff Curtis actually spent time with real Hispanic gang members learning about their day-to-day -day lives. Which definitely is noticeable in the film now that you know he's from New Zealand. He's not Hispanic at all. Oh, yeah, not a he can Hispanic in him. If he, he takes a 23 and me, I'm pretty sure it's all 23 New Zealand. It's all, yeah, New um, Zealand. But oh, he has it down pat, the, man. He has the everything, the mannerisms. The Like I said, if you watch this movie without knowing that and you see him and he's there with the guy named, uh, the actor, I forget his name, but he plays Tuco in Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah, Tuco, yeah. He's fantastic I in know. it. finally. Uh, those guys are insane. He's just as insane. Like, I, he took his this role. This oh, yeah, he's, he's, guy, he's, he's sniper. sniper in he's this. sniper. He's sniper in this, and he takes whatever he was building with sniper, he brings it yeah, over to Yeah, he does. He, that you know that I mean? crazy factor. I think he combines sniper with, with even um, 
Cliff's character. Yeah. He combined those it's, two it's, to it's, give it's us the Tuco. psycho of Sniper without it, him being a, a dumbass. Or what do they say? Like a dumb truck, they call him? <laughs> you dumb yes, truck. Yes, he's dumb as shit. Oh, my God. I love it. <laughs> he's so stupid. Tupac. Uh, Tupac. <laughs> he fucking dances around. That's the other funny thing is the second uh, um, they actually, uh, Smiley tells Sniper to deal the cards again, you can actually hear Mr. Alonzo's car. Start up. Pull away. Yes. And also during the scene, while they're playing cards with Jake, Mr. Yeah, Fuqua this was fucked up. Gave each of them instructions to do some things without telling Ethan Hawke was coming. This was just to add confusion and more tension to the scene as Ethan was just going to have to kind of play it off the chest. Like, he, what else could he do? None is better than when they ask him if he's ever had his shit pushed in. <laughs> and uh, it reminded me of a less, <laughs> you know, subtle version of a joke that is being told in Sherlock Holmes, the first one, where they go to release Sherlock Holmes and he's surrounded by a bunch of people and you think he's getting jumped and they push everyone away and he's finishing the joke and his the only part of the joke you hear is the punchline and he says, and the barman said, can I push your stool in? <laughs> <laughs> it's a very subtle way of talking about anal sex. But they weren't just talking about anal sex. They were talking about how they've definitely been to prison before and they have definitely had their shit pushed in and Mr. Tuco or Sniper, as he's known in the movie, <laughs> he's like, I had my shit pushed all the way up. Yeah, like his, like his neck is so jacked. Out. All his muscles are Oh, it's hilarious. So and the other guy, though, he's like, I love giving, getting love oh, from no, the homies. Yeah. Like, Smiley like, says that. He's like, oh, he's yeah, like, I always I get. And this is where they're just fucking with him because they know what they're about fucking to do. Um, and it's really them. tense. And that's what's crazy because I actually remember watching that year's Oscars. And this um, scene, what it leads up to in a minute, is actually what they used for his reel. For the best supporting actor. For his best supporting actor. Which, the irony of this is. So, <laughs> Denzel wins for best actor. Ethan Hawke wins for supporting. And the roles are really reversed. Ethan Hawke is, is the, lead the lead actor yeah, in this film. He has more screen Denzel's time. really the supporting actor. He wins. So, whatever. Hit, you know, it is yeah, what whatever, it is. Yeah. The, the Academy At least sucks. they didn't. Yeah, Academy doesn't know yeah, It's not the Golden Globes. At, At least he didn't, didn't get nominated for this. Did a nominate, for, yeah, for a musical. Yeah, nominated for a musical. And the best actor in a musical Matt comedy Damon. is Denzel Washington. <laughs> Matt Damon for The Martian. And the greatest musical oh, comedy boy. ever made. He jacked Roger. That's the fool, huh? Alonzo Holmes, I think he's a low-down, dirty, ruthless, by the way. But I like that, Holmes. I like that. No. No, that's why I never shake his hand, Holmes. He don't respect Nala. You know what the money's for? <coughs> Alonzo, he's a hothead. Last week in Vegas, some Russian starts talking shit. Alonzo, he just... Snap. He just asked him this. Well, it turns out that Russian, he's a somebody. Now, Alonzo, he's into the Russians for a million. How do you know that? <clears throat> Sir, they gave Alonzo till tonight to pay up. But his name's still on the list, huh? Nobody thought he could get cash that big. Good thing he got his blood money, because there's a crew on standby. If he don't turn up downtown with the cash by midnight and not a minute after, you're what the? He's dead. Hey, pig, you ever had your shit pushed in? <laughs> your shit pushed in? Simple question. Nah? No. Had my shit pushed in. Oh, yeah, man, I had my shit. Pushed in, bro! Big time! <laughs> <laughs> Smiley? Sure. 
I'm always getting love from the homies. So when they ask him if his shit's got pushed in, he flips the table. He knows something's up. And Cracks a bottle over a smile. They, yeah. Yep. And then they drag his ass into the bathroom and put him in the tub, which then all of a sudden you're like, oh, now nah, that makes sense. I've seen the movie a couple times. It wasn't until we watched it for this that I heard him say the line about make sure your tub's clean. Just so watching everything that's going on, I'm really paying more attention to how Ethan Hawke's reacting. I see he's on the phone, but I wasn't really paying attention until I rewatched it again. And that's where I really came to the forefront of him saying that. And I was like, oh, shit. Because then I also knew it was coming up. So I was like, oh, man. He foreshadows it early, like right Right then and there. So they can put him in the tub and they're going to kill him. He has just been paid by Lonzo to kill him. They are taking him out. Lonzo has obviously had enough. He's basically done everything he needs from him. He got as far as he needed. He got the money. He's good to go. He has no more use for Mr. Jake Hoyt. Now, there's one issue I had with this scene. The one issue is what keeps him from getting killed in the bathtub, a la No Country for Old Men style, basically. Shotgun to the face behind a closed curtain. Oh, is, let me watch. Let me watch him. <laughs> Pulls yeah, it aside so you can is see. the bald guy, gang member, he says, oh, let me check his pockets first. It's my only problem with it. They could have done that after he's dead. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, that is true. It's the only fault in the writing that I could find. And when I originally watched it, I wasn't paying attention because your first time you watch it, you're stuck in the story, you're going through it. Usually people find problems after the first watching because you have no idea what's coming the first watching. And then all of a sudden, you go through the first watching and you're like, okay, we'll see what happens. And then when he said it again, I was like, uh. Yeah, I think, right. I, I think I, on I, the I original watch of this, like I just mentally imagined that. Uh, the girl's uh, wallet falls out of his, like, just falls out of his his coat pocket or whatever into the tub, and they pick it up that way. And then remembering watching it, oh, he checks his pockets. Yeah. So, yeah, it definitely yeah. is an odd thing. But, yeah, again, like in the Old West, like, they would just fucking steal everything up, up to your fucking gold teeth. So, yeah, it is kind of a little plot hole. A little bit, because it, cause it's necessary. Because, it's, like obviously. we said earlier, it's the thing that saves him. It's his thing, because all of a sudden he pulls out the wallet. He finds who's it is. He's like, oh, shit, Holmes, you're not going to believe this is your cousin or whatever. And he's real pissed off and explains what happens and makes a phone call to her. Now, this is where I wanted to hold off to this point. Is She's talking shit to those two dudes about how this Mexican gang is going to fuck them up. This bitch went home and didn't say anything to anybody. She was almost more worried that they were going to be mad at her for, for not being school. in school. Yeah, oh my god! Like she told you, it was like didn't She's say terrified. a thing to him, and he had to like get it out, pull it out yeah, of her. Like I would have thought it was one of the first things she yeah, would have done. Letty, Letty, don't lie to me. You're lying to me. I'm gonna blow your fucking balls off. Hello. Hey, what's up, Lizzie? What you doing? Hi, smiling. Just um, doing homework. You want to talk to Tony? No, no, no. I want to talk to you. Uh, you go to school today? Yeah. Yeah. All day you didn't dish. No. No, I went to every class. Why? I heard different. <laughs> nah. Cops talk to you today? Um. No. No. Ah, right, yeah. You tell me what happened, okay? Don't bullshit me. Um. All right. I I got jumped by these two crackheads today. You got jumped, huh? Well, they wanted to like rape me or something i don't know I'm, i mean he just slapped me around and everything but nothing happened okay because this cop came i mean he came out of nowhere and they almost killed him though but he kicked their asses like that this car what did he look like um he was a white boy he looked real young too so you okay yeah i'm fine nothing happened Eliti. yeah we're gonna talk more about this later 
Okay. All right. What's up? What happened? Ain't gonna blast him or what, huh? Papa was telling the truth. Life's a trip, you know? This is some trippy-ass shit, Holmes. Like, all of these things are all things that he's not supposed to do. Yes, he does everything the opposite of what Alonzo tells him to do. But it all comes back around full circle to keep saving him. Like, it's like doing the opposite of what Alonzo says. It's almost, and again, that, that kind of cements in there that Alonzo's plan was if they couldn't get him to fall in and be 100% with them, he was ready to be. This would have been uh, an announcement at the end of the day. It would have been like rookie cop dies tragically today on his first day as a narcotics officer he is left by uh, his wife and kid yes that would have been um that would have, that this would have been an x-rated movie that would have been a very uh, bloody bathtub that's something it would have been interesting. I mean, it would have been good, but it would have been interesting. And I still, I love it, too, because uh, he does have, like, that respect. Like, when they realize, like, oh, like shit, like, he, and she's like, I don't know, this white boy came out, this white cop came out of nowhere, and he, and he beat the fuck out, he beat their asses. Like, she doesn't even yeah. mention Alonzo, because she even probably knows that Alonzo's a fucking piece of shit. He, well, he didn't, he didn't do, do anything. I mean, he, he didn't, didn't help, help her. her. He talked, he came no. in there. Because, because, because she went running home and just talking shit after they, you know, then when she's gone, oh, yeah. they yeah, start yeah, fucking yeah, with these two guys. Yeah, so. she doesn't see what Alonzo does. But yeah, it's so good. The, the amount of respect he has when he pulls him out of there and he's just like joking with him. He's like, man, and he's like, you fucked up my floor. And he's like, you know that this is just business, right? And like, he, they have that respect <laughs> for each other. It's almost like, you know, they're not going to come back there and fuck with him anymore. You got, you got lucky. You got lucky. Lucky. But it's at that moment he realizes that Lonzo wanted to yeah. kill him. And so, it'll lead us to our fifth and final reason. Number five. And that is, King Kong ain't got nothing on me. One, it's the greatest line that Denzel's ever said, in my opinion. And it's completely fucking ad-libbed. Yeah, King Kong That's ain't got insane. shit on me. That's insane. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Ad-libbed. By Mr. Denzel. It's one, it's one of those lines, man. It's iconic. Well, it's just a like great if you, line. If oh, you're it's doing unreal. like a like a hot like a reel of uh if you're doing a reel of like quotes from movies, this would get added into like famous quotes of all time. Absolutely. This is definitely one of the most famous quotes of all time. Absolutely. Hands down. If you haven't heard it, your head's up your ass. I don't know where you are. <laughs> I don't know. Not heard heard that line. It's a it's a great shit talking line. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It really is. Hands down. But he goes and he finds him, and then there's a scuffle. It's a brutal scuffle. Yeah, it's and good. Mr. Fuqua said that during the fight on the rooftop uh, between the two gentlemen, the reason it was so violent is he wanted to show how brutal Alonzo was, and that originally he was going to show a flashback to where he actually beats up the Russian guy and kills him. I'm glad there was no flashbacks yeah. to that. I kind of like I like that mythology or that lore. Like someone tells us uh, a story. And what happened, and you can kind of go through your head and play it out. You know what I mean? Unless it's vital to the movie. It's not no, vital. It it's just an important side note. I mean, it is the reason a lot of these events happen, but we don't need to see it. The way that everybody, like, from the three wise men bringing it up to even, like, Dr. Dre's character, like, being concerned from him. And then even uh, Roger. Roger's concerned. Like, literally, everybody. He's, and this just shows how he's such a piece of shit to the people. They're all worried about him. They think he's going to die, and he doesn't give a fuck about any one of them, really. Well, it also just shows that if the Russian mob's involved, he's, I mean, he doesn't no, get arrested or fired because, because the only people who know about it is the underworld. Right. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they heard something happen, what went down, and now he's, he's, a he's target. on the list. Yeah, he's on the list. And he's got a certain amount of time to pay it off, or his ass is dead. Now, what I thought was pretty cool is they go to this place called the Jungle. 
And this is actually a real place. Mr. T. Rogers, the founder of the Black Peastones Bloods in Baldwin Village, a.k.a. The Jungle in L.A., was on set for all the filming in his neighbor. They filmed in the real fucking place and allowed the producers to use his neighborhood in exchange for casting real gang members. So majority of the people in it, except for, what's his name, Mr. Um, Mr. Peck Dance, uh, the guy from... Terry Crews? Yeah, Terry Crews. I forgot he was in the film until I saw him again. I was like, God damn, it is him. But Terry Crews is in it. He's not a gang member. He's one of the few people in it besides the one guy who has a talking role because he's been in a couple things too. So majority of the people in the film on both sides, actually, I don't know if you knew that too, yeah. on both sides, even because they were in a Crip neighborhood in the first shootout. There was a quite a few actual real-life gangsters who got to play, I guess, and themselves, really, yeah. <laughs> on film. And you know what? It adds to it. I think it's a good call because you could feel it. You can. You know? Except for maybe two guys you knew were actors. Even them. They're so ter- Terry that is dude on the bicycle who rides up on him on the bicycle? Oh, yeah. Rides right up next to the car. Fogging. Yeah. Don't yeah, even that, that, fuck with that guy. Yeah. Him mm-hmm. and the guy flipping pigeons. That was Terry Cruz's character. Was that flipping pigeons? pigeons. He was the one up top. Yep, he flips the pigeons like Mike Mike Tyson. Like Mike Tyson. Oh man, so good. But yeah, oh. no. What uh, the one that the gentleman that does have the speaking role? He is good. Um, Cause man, yeah. He first of all, we get um, we get Ethan Hawke fucking coming coming <laughs> after fucking Alonzo there like the fucking comes walking in. He walks in balls, and then after that brutal fight, he comes after him like the fucking T one thousand. Throws himself right up on that fucking car. I don't even know where the fuck he came from. <laughs> jumped out of a fucking palm tree. He jumped off the he, roof because yeah, he, he got because I mean he gets his ass whooped by Lonzo. Yeah, I'm surprised Lonzo didn't kill him up there. Lonzo had a place to be. Lonzo had to be somewhere in a meeting by midnight, or he was dead, man. I love that after he jumps in the car and they get on, they're starting to fight, and he's like, shoot this motherfucker, whatever, and he comes out and he sets the gun down and goes, you got to do your own work around here. I just love that. Yeah. Oh, he's like, oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and he just still... He and keeps- he's like, don't go for the gun. He goes, you ain't going to do shit. He's like, I just love when he shoots him. He shoots him in the ass. Yeah. I love Denzel's reaction. He goes, you motherfucker. <laughs> he shot, shot me in my ass. ass. I love, oh. love how upset he is. He got shot in the ass. One of my favorite lines outside of him saying King Kong thing. I'm going to get that gun, and then I'm going to get that money. And you ain't going to do a damn thing, because you ain't going to shoot no cop in the back, are you? Don't do it. You know what they give you for that? The gas chamber. You know what the gas chamber smells like? Pine oil. That's where you headed, boy. To pine oil heaven. I'm going to get that gun, and then I'm going to get that money. I don't believe you got it in you, Jake. I'm going to go get it right now. Oh! Get it! Ah, you motherfucker! The next one will kill you. Oh, son of a bitch! Shot me in the ass! And the great thing about the King Kong line is, it's after this whole thing spills over and Hoyt has kind of defeated him and is walking away, leaving him pretty much to die because he's going to... He's got the money. I think he thinks that the people are going to turn on him and kill him right there. No, they're going to... Or if he doesn't, he thinks that he's going to miss this meeting, he's going to die and be killed eventually. But that's when the King Kong line comes out because they all kind of circle him and then Denzel starts talking some mad shit. Oh, you motherfuckers. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'm putting cases on all you bitches. Huh? You think you can do this shit? Jay! You think you can do this to me? You motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23-hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. 
You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. For a man who's just been shot in the ass and fucked up his own car by driving into everything, you know, he still has that intimidation factor. I know a lot of them walk away from, like, whatever, you know, fuck this guy. But they still are like, you know what, he holds some power. Yeah. He's gotten away with a lot of shit. I feel like they, they just, uh, again, they just don't want that body there. They know that body's going to be gone at midnight regardless, and they don't probably want that Russian heat coming down their way. Or well, the yeah. I mean, you sh- regardless, he's a good or bad cop. You shoot yeah. him, cops going to be up your ass 24 Like they're gonna, They know. We're going to bring the SWAT team I in. I feel like this was this this showed the turning point where they've been sick of him coming around, living in their area. Like he's, I don't even know if it's really him living there or if it's Ava Mendez and the fact that he has a kid. One Ava lives there. I think kids. he puts her up because she has yeah, his she kid. Has one, one which of, he didn't seem too much to care. He's open fire while the kids in the fucking no, house. He doesn't give a shit. And he even says that he one point that he has four sons and we only see one. So he obviously yeah, we assume that he's either got multiple kids, multiple baby mamas, or he's married to one. Yeah, he's, it's hard to tell. Knows. We only get to see this side of his life for a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so it, they're sick of his ass coming around there. He comes around there and fucking thinks... He even still is threatening them. Like, when he's still asking them for help, to like... And he's oh, it's so pathetically yelling, Jake, Jake, I need my money. He's a little nervous. He's nervous. But, he's I, but, I don't, but actually, I don't think he's nervous about them. I don't think... He, he doesn't fear them. What, he's he worried about the Russians. What, yeah, that, he knows he's in trouble. Yeah, he knows that the acts that Jake are doing and the fact that now they're like, they're like holding him up so Jake can just walk straight out of here with that money. He knows what's, <laughs> that he's fucked. Well, he's not exactly chasing after Jake. He's got a bullet in his ass. Oh, he, he ain't, ain't going nowhere. <laughs> and he, he just fucked his car all up. He, so he can't even yeah. get in that uh, thing and drive it, <laughs> drive it after him. <laughs> so, before we wrap this up, my question to you. You're Jake. He went for the gun. You shooting him in the ass or you putting him down? No, that was smart. Shooting him in the ass, the leg, all that stuff. Because yeah, Jake's thinking smart. He knows worst case scenario. This goes to hell, and they do have cops get involved, and they need to, even though they're in the jungle and the cops don't come down there, that's not attempted murder. Very good. Below the waist. I originally thought I'd shoot him, but I do. it was, it was his reaction to being shot in the <laughs> ass. That you would love like, that. You I'd shoot him in the ass. Loved it. It was so good. Get your rocks off so watching good. him react like that. <laughs> like, it was so fun. It's so quick, too. It's just so good. You motherfucker. I just love how. Oh, it was so good. He shoots him right in the ass. Denzel. He's so fucking yeah, good in this movie. He's, he's so fucking amazing. good. It behooves you not to dick around on this one. Justifiable homicide and line of duty, okay? Now, what happened was... What happened was murder. And armed robbery. Oh, wait, we, we had badges, so it's different? Oh, son, <laughs> can't open your eyes. Can't you see? Huh? That man was your friend, and you killed him. <laughs> like a fly. <laughs> Come on, my friend, huh? Yeah. Tell me why. Because he knows my first name? Son, this is the game. I'm playing his ass. That's my job. That's your job. Roger sold dope to kids. The world is a better place without him. Hey, this man was the biggest major violator in Los Angeles. I watched that cocksucker operate with impunity for over 10 years, and now I got it. The shit's chess. It ain't checkers. What you think we're gonna do? We're gonna, we're gonna roll up the black and white, huh? Slap the cuffs on him, you're under arrest. That's a high roller, dog. 
take the money. I, mean, I already told you I'm not going to take just that. Take I'm not going to take okay, that. Okay, don't. Just burn it. Barbecue it. Fish fry it. I don't give a fuck, but the boys will feel better. But fuck their feelings. Jake, you're not making them feel like you're part of the team. The team? You guys are fucking insane. All right, I'll go back to the valley. I'll cut parking tickets, you know? It can't be like this. It is this way, man. I'm sorry I exposed you to it, but it is. It's ugly, but it's necessary. I became a cop to put away drug dealers, the poisoners, the criminals, not to be one. You sound just like me. And I know what you're going through. I know what you're feeling. You're scared. I'm not scared. Yes, you are. You're terrified. Everybody goes through that the first time I went through it. The sooner you can match what's in your head, What's going on in the real world, the better you're gonna feel. In this business, you gotta have a little dirt on you for anybody to trust you. And when all this is behind you, there's gonna be a whole other world that opens up for you. I walk a higher path, son. I can give you the keys to all the doors. It's time to make some lists. For our list this week, we already did cop movies, but we haven't done our favorite corrupt cop movies. So we are in our 59th motherfucking episode. We just keep adding them on. It's an odd week. Matt's an odd motherfucker. So Matt will lead us off with his number five favorite corrupt cop movie. My number five favorite corrupt cop movie being the only Craig S. Zeller film we haven't done. Drag Across Concrete. The good old story. Right off the bat, we are are lined up. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. There we go, man. I think our number one is going to be the same too, but right off the bat, (laughs) we're we're lined lined up. up. That's perfect. Yeah, nothing's better than two corrupt cops that get suspended that then just go like even more Corrupt. They're just criminals at that point. So good. After they are suspended wow, for viciously yeah. beating an unarmed yeah. suspect on camera. So fucking good. Mel Gibson, Vince Vaughn together are fucking. Mel Gibson's typecast because <laughs> this, this is, is right really up his him. alley. He was like right up his alley. Secret part is little. If when if we do ever and eventually do cover this movie, oh, I'm sure we will. Such a good when we movie. cover it, we're really gonna find out that Craig never wrote any dialogue for Mel. It just it just <laughs> said just Mel like Gibson Mel, Mel, dot yeah. dot and then like. Fill in the blanks, Mel. Just keep talking. <laughs> I have to say, of his last two movies of Craig, we obviously, our second episode, we gave you Brawl and Cell Black 99. If you want to see Vince Vaughn do completely different roles that you've never seen Vince Vaughn oh, do, yeah. you want to see him not be Vince Vaughn in a film, see him in both Zollers films. As we went through ad nauseum, he's absolutely brilliant in Brawl and Cell Black 99. Unbelievable. And he's great in this movie yeah. too. So completely so different characters. Great in this. In this, uh, he impressed Craig so much with Brawl that he went in this one. He was fantastic, fantastic in both. And his chemistry with Mel works. And Mel works in this movie. Yeah, he's perfect. He just works just because <laughs> of who he him. is. It's a perfect <laughs> movie. Yeah, it really, Mel it Gibson is. as it's Mel him. Gibson. Mel Gibson. He really, he <laughs> really says, he says Mel. Just says Mel. <laughs> a very meta movie. Yeah, seriously. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's see if we can keep this thing going. With that, I'll bring it to my. Number four being the 1992 film Bad Lieutenant, Mr. Harvey Keitel. Oh, good, good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Not my number. No, that's not mine. No, so there you go. There we, we go. go. No. All right. I was tempted to put in the other Bad Lieutenant as Mr. well. Mr. Nicholas Cage? Yeah. Yeah. Just the jerking off scene I said. Oh, my alone. God. So creepy. So great. But yeah, the story of a corrupt cop, a uh, corrupt New York City uh, detective, uh, while investigating the rape of a young nun, he just 
continues to try to change his ways and find forgiveness and redemption, but he is corrupt as shit. He's got a big-ass drug problem, and he loves to gamble. But yeah, original 1992 Bad Lieutenant. Great, great corrupt cop film. Harvey Keitel's fucking... Yeah, great. Harvey Keitel's fantastic. Amazing, thing. Absolutely. My number four is a movie that we're going to be doing soon. Uh, it's a 2002 movie called Narc with the great Jason Patrick and Ray Liotta. It's in Detroit. It has uh, a, another rapper and <laughs> makes it in it as well with Buster Rhymes. Oh, yeah. Buster, I but forgot. It's a fantastic, fantastic movie. The opening alone is so amazing where it's basically Jason Patrick. They come rushing out this door. He's chasing after um, this meth head and they run into a park and he's shooting and ends up shooting a woman who's pregnant and some guy gets stabbed in the neck with like this uh, dirty dosage of shit. Yes, like, fuck. The first up. two minutes you're just like, what? Like, it's fucking like the Titles come out so you hear the door kick open and it's just them running and it's insane. But the movie throughout is amazing. Jason Patrick's great. Ray Liotta's um, fucking really Ray good. Ray is amazing. Put on weight and muscle. He grew up this like almost like looks like he's a wolf hunter kind of like beard. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's so good. He's so intimidating in that movie. That's in my opinion, it's his most intimidating role he's ever that done. Is. Like if he's Ray, more intimidating than anything he's done you know, in his other you know, Ray Liotta is uh for being a, a good gangster on film, he's also a very good Corrupt cop on film. He's also a very good whiny gangster too. <laughs> he is, <laughs> as Killing Them Softly showed. <laughs> oh, poor fucking guy in that one. Poor, poor Ray. Ray. Jesus Christ. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's a fantastic fucking movie, and we will be doing it during my birthday month. So hold on, we'll we'll dive into it. With that, I'm going to bring it to another film with Mr. Ray Liotta, where he plays an arc. But that is Copland. We have once again. There we go. Here. Yeah. Sheriff Stallone, yes, we man. We did Copland. Yeah. It's, oh, it's a great movie. So fucking good. De Niro, all of them. <laughs> yeah, Harvey Keitel. <laughs> the I mean, T-1000. Everyone, everything's in it. Everything's in it. What, what episode was that for Jesus. us? I'm trying to remember. Is it 20? In the 20s. 28 or 29, I think it was. Somewhere in there in the 20s, yeah. We did it back February? in March. Was it March? I don't know. I yeah, I think it was March. Yeah, I think it was March. Yeah, somewhere in there, yeah. Late but February. About six, late months February, ago. early March. Definitely. It is such an underrated movie, as we said back then. Copland is so yeah. fucking good. It's such a good movie. Unbelievable it cast. Is. Yeah. It's Sylvester Stallone, and in my opinion, one of his best like casting. Should have been an Academy yeah, Award winning. <laughs> Act. Absolutely. He should have won. Hands down. So fucking good. De Niro as an IA officer. Keitel as the head of the Dirty Cops. Oh, so good. You've got, base, like I said, Ray Liotta. He's, he likes walking that fine line between being yeah. dirty but also being a good well, cop. He like wants to be a good cop. Yeah. Yeah. Just when he comes in to save the day with a cigarette in his mouth, like he's still so just barely. I mean, he looks like he's not, he looks like he's been doing cocaine. No, the whole he really does. He movie. looks it's like amazing. his character from Goodfellas just during the last section, the sauce scene. It's just yes, like the yes, sauce scene continued if he was a cop. He got away from the cops <laughs> and became yeah, one. Yeah. That's what happened. That was the deal he That's struck. That's really what deal he struck. That like we need you to actually do a whole bunch of coke and just keep fucking <laughs> working for us. Oh man, so oh. good. But yeah, with that then, let me see. I'll bring it into my number two, being Mr. Al Pacino playing Frank Motherfucking Serpico. Serpico. 
I feel like it's the, the the original Corrupt Cop film. It may not be the actual original Corrupt Cop film. It's maybe one of the most original ones that you that people yeah. know. You know, it became the first real popular one that may have helped launch that kind of genre. Yeah, and it's it's so good because it, it's relevant because exact during that time, you know, in New York City, I think they called it like what the Thin Blue Line was maybe the documentary that they were doing. Yeah, back yep. then for when they were busting all these cops in New York City again, like man, Copland, Serpico, fucking New York City cops are. Uh, they are just no <laughs> New York, New, New Jersey cops are like the notorious ones for corruption. But yeah, Tim uh, literally going against the entire force as a whistleblower. That's just, yeah, he's going to take down everybody. And I also love when uh, Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia does his uh, copy of uh, when he thinks he's Serpico. <laughs> so good. Oh, fucking Charlie. <laughs> he's the greatest. Well, my number two is a movie that... I think we might be doing it at the end of this month. Uh, it's L.A. Confidential from 1997. Good pick. It is a fantastic movie. I mean, it is an elaborate movie. It's got amazing actors. We got Kevin Spacey, Russell Crowe, Guy Pearce. Speaking of It's Always Sunny, Danny DeVito's in it. Um, Kim Basinger is in it. She won an Academy Award for Supporting uh, Actress. It is a fantastic story. I think we talked about it. I can't remember what which podcast it was, what what episode. But we had just, we had I think this film may have come on it. But the video game from the guys at Rockstar, uh, L.A. Noir, yes. is completely... Designed after this movie, and it's a fantastic fucking film. So, so good. I'm not going to get too much into it because we're going to get into it uh, before uh, your turkey is settled in your tummy. I'll leave it at that. And now we're going to jump to our number ones, which I'm going to ask Matt. Is there a rat in the room? Oh, yeah. There's definitely a rat in the room. That Mark Wahlberg will fucking Mark snuff fucking out. Kill. <laughs> you can watch so that we, thing. So, 5, 3, and 1. Our odds are That's all the same. So, crazy. number one is The Departed. 5, 3, 1. Yeah, the part it, it is. Was fifteen years now? Fifteen year anniversary coming up because it came on oh six. Yeah, so, so fucking good. Fifteen years. It's one of those movies where, like, and when it's on, it's in. Oh, I'm, yeah. in. I'm, I'm, I'm in. As soon as it's on, I'm in. Yeah, this, this, and Copland too. I feel like Copland's another one where it's like, oh yeah, yeah Copland's, Copland's yeah. on you automatically. It's the ensemble cast yeah, that they have. They're so fucking good. You got to see Jack Nicholson. You've seen him as bad guys before, but normally he's, you know, like a lot of times he's the crazy bad guy. He's a bit in this, but he, he's there's just something this, about him. Yeah, like he's like. Yeah. Like he's just. She fell wrong. Yeah, like there's just like certain. Like you're just up. like moments. Yeah, like uh, yeah. when uh, what's his name? Ray. Uh, what's it? Ray uh, Stevenson. What's is that? How, no, what's I? I know you mean the guy from England. Yeah, he's been yeah. a bunch of movies. He's in, like sexy beast yeah, and stuff. Like, yeah, the way he talks to him, he's like, he's like, you need to see somebody about that. It's like he's a he's a so like <laughs> he's, he's a sociopath. Like he's like starting to concern. Like he's like Jesus Christ. He's like you know we're doing some fucked up shit. Like in the scene when he's like fucking. Talking to fucking, he knows DiCaprio wants needs money, and he's asking him if he li- likes John Lennon, and he's got the hand of the dude that cut his hand <laughs> yes. off, and he asked him first which hand he jerked off, which which hand he uses to jerk <laughs> off with, but he's taking the man's wedding ring off to give it to fucking DiCaprio and, to, to pawn to it. Pawn it. <laughs> and it's just like there's so many elements of like again how fucked up this man's mind is, uh. and he's eating lobster at the same time. With his I bare know. hands. With his bare hands. He's dipping it in butter. 
I tell you to bury a body in the marsh, you bury in the fucking marsh, not with some fucking guy get just <laughs> Wells Fargo's jerked off on a Wednesday. So good. Oh my god. Yeah, he's uh, great. DiCaprio's great. DiCaprio should have won or should have been nominated that year because he wasn't uh, even I mean the whole you could have nominated, nominated the entire cast. They nominated him for fucking Mad Damon could have been nominated. Yeah. He was great in that movie. There's not a bad note in the movie. There's not a single person who's not good. Martin Sheen, everyone who's in the fucking movie is fantastic and they're Oh yeah. Spot fucking on. Yeah, so good. Oh, you have to see it. It's an Academy Award winning movie. It's an amazing fucking film. See it, see it, see it. So fucking good. So we've got seven. Seven films of corrupt cops. To include this one, make it eight. For you to partake of as you do cocaine and <laughs> and take out your yeah, rivals. Commit acts against uh, the civil yeah, rights. Exactly. <laughs> Now, the actor we have chosen for this week is going to be Mr. Ethan Hawks. We have decided to go into his catalog and pick our five favorites. Matt just let us off. I will now lead this one off, and Matt will close out this episode. So, for my number five, he is in an ill-fated plane crash that crashes in the Andes Mountains in South America, and they have to maybe eat each other to stay alive, and it's the movie Alive. alive. So good. Great movie. It didn't make our cannibal list. Because I didn't feel it was cannibals. That was survival. Yeah, that was you know, full, you, that it, was, was, it was an act of survival. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, like if we get in a plane crash, <laughs> you know, we have to eat. I'm like, I'm, if I have to eat somebody, it's because I want to survive. It has nothing to do with like, <laughs> boy, I've been, I've been I'm hungry fucking from, hungry. from yeah, human bacon. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, um, two days later. You're already, they're like, you're not even fucking hungry yet. It's only been two days. <laughs> but in the show Rick and Morty, they do an episode. I think it was last season, maybe the season before, where Morty goes on this whole big thing in his mind. He's able to change things, keeps going back and forth where he can basically redo a day. Like if he makes a mistake, he can go rewind it. So he meets a girl. There's a moment they're on a flight and they, they crash. And he basically, they do the scene from Alive when the plane crashes kind of thing. <laughs> so they do a little match. I thought it was so great. But when I was younger, I saw this film. I was always like, fuck, I don't ever want to be yeah. in a plane crash. And I believe this true is story. actually based yeah, on a true is. story. Yeah. They were like Even a soccer more like, team or holy something. Shit. Right? Yes. Jesus yes. Christ. Yeah. Fuck that. No fun. With that, I'll bring it into my number five being a super fun time. Is if your dad was a true crime novelist and he fucking made you and your mom and your brother and sister all move into a fucking house where previous family got fucking hung up right in the tree in the backyard. And that's sinister. So fucking good. He's great in it. He's great in it. I took my daughter to see this. I have a critique. I'm sorry. There are no lights on, and the house is almost painted black all the time. Like it's so no dark. one in the house, like it, it's no so one's. Ever, I'm like, I was like, I even looked at. Her, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm like, no one walks around in a house in pitch darkness. No, and you know it's possibly haunted, anyways. I was like, this Especially is. Him. There's not he even a hall light it. on. He keeps Nothing it, keeps it secret and hidden from his wife for so uh, fucking long. I don't know how she can't tell from the fucking tree that no one decided to fucking finish off <laughs> the partially cut branch from a previously lynching four family members. Out back. Oh, it's good. He's great there. Him, uh, the chemistry between him and he is very and, good. And very detective so and so are so good. He just looks like a novelist. He can he can fit it, and it's just it's so. Uh, so great and like it, it got us started with uh, Scott uh, I think his name was like Derrickson Scott Dickinson or Derrickson either one or the other but he later on went on to give us uh, Doctor Strange and now is actually coming up with a really fucking where he used more lights where he used a ton of lights and there's all a bunch of lights <laughs> so many Strange. lights maybe he had no budget at this time but yeah but I don't know if you've seen it but there's a trailer coming out for another movie with Scott that reunites him and Ethan together called Black Phone yeah, I it looks fucking really good. Very creepy. Be interesting to see how that turns out. Be interesting to see how that turns out. It's got some, uh, it got an early screening. 
everything. And reviews are real good, let's just say, over here at the IMDb. What you're saying is there's some great expectations towards this film. Oh, yes. Which is my number four, is great expectations. It's the film that we named my son after for his performance in it. Uh, I believe it made us uh, made our Gwyneth Paltrow list as well. I think it was yeah, my number two or did. three yeah. for her. I really do enjoy this movie. Uh, once again, Robert De Niro's in it. He plays a benefactor because he helps him out as a kid. It's a really good movie, and the performances are great. And him and Gwyneth Paltrow were really, really believable in this film yeah, as good. possible lovers. So they're, loved they're it. really good together. With that, I'm going to bring it to a good old 90s sci-fi film, and that is Gattaca, with him and his ex-wife, Uma Thurman. I forgot that their daughter is yeah. the one in the movie with Tarantino. It is. It's their daughter, yeah. That's right. Because he cheated on her with the, what's her name, Julie, whatever it is, Del Prig, who is in the other, De- yeah, maybe Del one Prie. of the movies you'll talk about. <laughs> maybe one that you'll talk about. You're snuffing my list out before I even fucking say it, I'm just asshole. saying, it won't be on my list. But, I know yeah. what your list might have. I feel like in the 90s, we got a lot of, like, auteur sci-fi films and this was definitely well one it's of them. it's gattaca's about people are designed for their yeah. own purpose like they they have a purpose and he he's, wasn't yeah, he was inferior. a natural birth yeah he was like yeah. yes it's so good but but he shows that he's not you know what i mean yeah. like he's able to it's so it's, it's a good underrated movie i think this is where they met though like i, I think Gattaca, it was, it was like it was. their first because they did yep. one or two movies together i think after this I remember, yeah, but this this is definitely their their meeting right. And it was a good. Movie. I remember seeing it in the theaters. It was really good. It wasn't wasn't bad no, at all. I don't know. My number three, I do believe, will be on Matt's list. It's a movie that uh, came out just a couple years ago, and it's first reformed, where he plays a very troubled pastor of a very famous church in upstate New York. It's like one of the first churches formed in the area, whatever it was. Yeah, it was like, and they were part of the Underground Railroad. And he has suicidal tendencies, and he doesn't know if he believes in God. Like, he goes through a whole bunch of stuff. It's a very good in-depth look at a a person who is of the faith, but who may not have strong faith and may be losing his faith. faith He may have like some sort of digestive disease going on from all that years yes, of there's all bunch of shit going on with that him. He's been going through. Holy cow! Like there, he's yeah, he's a very I don't want to say he's the Mister White of pastors, but he's got like a Mister White vibe yeah, to him when does. it comes to pastors. Just doesn't make good decisions. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, with that, I'll bring it to my number three being uh, the twelve-year film from Mister uh, Richard Linklater, and that is Boyhood, with him playing Dad, aka Mason Senior. Have not seen that yet. It's just—it's a cinematic achievement for them to film Mason, who is his son in this film, from early childhood all the way up to his arrival at college. The fact that they shot this over twelve years is fucking insane. He's great, and I think him and Patricia Arquette play uh, mom and dad. Think about it. it. There's so a chance that crazy. someone could die while this film's being made, yeah. and that's and it. Just, yeah, the film Film's over with. Done. It's done. Yeah, literally. And while doing this, he like did three other Richard Linklater films, which is insane. Of course, it was huge Oscar contender back then because it was like Jesus Christ, you're the first psychopath to try to go and make this long term. Well, amazing part is I don't remember hearing about it until it came out. You know what I mean? I don't remember anyone saying, "Oh, they've been shooting this movie for twelve years." You know, it was like really kept under wraps for quite some time. Richard Linklater was like, "Oh yeah, no, yeah, I've been I've been making a movie since I I scoped this kid out at a McDonald's and I fucking said, you know what." <laughs> I'm gonna make you. Yeah, no, seriously. I think we're gonna. That's uh, weird. Yeah, it's a little strange. It's a better way of saying that for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't initially uh, admit to that <laughs> yeah, about yeah, him. Yeah. Maybe Kevin Spacey was with him. Maybe. 
My number two is where I first saw Mr. Ethan Hawke. It's a great, great movie. It stars the late, great Robin Williams in one of his first great dramatic roles, and that is Dead Poet Society. Great movie. He is a supporting actor in the film, but he is great in it. The movie is intense. The movie is... It's one of those films like... It's almost like required watching. You know, yeah. I feel like it's oh, one yeah. of those things that's required watching. It's just such a great film. Christian Bale, too, right? I don't remember, if he, remember. The, if he was or not. If, if he is, he's a very small, small part yeah. in it. You know what I mean? Like, But this came out in the very early 90s. Excellent film. Robin Williams is just unbelievable in it. But it's a great movie about, you know, going against the grain of what is expected of you. And, you know, this is like based on like in the 1950s or maybe late 50s, early 60s, where, you know, these young boys are trying to, you know, they, they want to be in acting. And, uh, you know, the father, actually, I believe it's the father from um, uh, the 70s show. I think he's the father in the film. Yes. And he wants his son to be a certain way and do a certain thing, and he, he rebels against it. And then some tragic things happen, and they try to blame it on on Robin Williams' character. But it's just a great fucking coming of age story. It's beautifully done, beautifully written, beautifully shot, and it's just one of those you know instant classics that came out in the early '90s. Oh, Captain, my Captain. With that, I'll bring it to my number two being the absolutely amazing film, First Reform. Uh, with him just being a minister, just losing his faith and being tasked with trying to help out a husband of uh, that is just came back from the war. I think it was the wife, yeah. right? Yeah, she, like she just lost him. I forget. Yeah, no, she she comes to him looking for help with her husband, who I, th- I believe he was he was a veteran, and now he's gotten linked up with like a, a environmental activist group that's very like fringe group. Like, oh yeah, and then they find the the, the suicide belt and stuff. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then and he, he finds, and then at the end of the film, she like saves him from. Possibly, they kind of get together, yeah. and he was about to just. <laughs> It's fucked up, man. It's a it's a real yeah. fucked up film. Well, it's does just, she save him though? Because there's a lot of questions. Well, he was about to drink the thing, and then like they make out, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And you're kind of like, oh. or did he already drink it? Uh, who knows? I don't know. I don't know. We can, ask, we, can we can uh, we gotta ask uh, Paul Schreider about that one. Rob text him tonight. <laughs> it brought Paul Schreider back with writing, directing. It was just fantastic. This was great. It really brought him back, and it's just such a uh, great, just smart casting with him, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, as like the his yeah. rival, yeah, uh, like rival church. That's like just more like it's one of the mega churches. Yeah, like I'm, that's what the, it is, the, mega the bullshit mega yeah. churches. Yes, yes, because everyone knows God needs nothing but money. Yeah, I know. Why don't you have those private jets? Hey, exactly. Fucking cheap. Fucking A. Well, my number one is from the director of the movie we just talked about, Mr. Antoine Fuqua. It's also going to be talked about for my actual birthday month and my birthday. It is Brooklyn's Finest. I absolutely 100% love this movie. It was a complete shocker when I went to see it. Did not expect I was going to like it as much. Ethan Hawke is amazing in it. It centers on three people. It's a very Shakespearean-like movie. Don Cheadle, Richard Gere, and the great Ethan Hawke. It is about those three gentlemen, their different stories, and how they move through Brooklyn on different parts of the police force there. It's a Shakespearean tragedy. It's not a lot of people get out of this thing unscathed. But Ethan Hawke plays a great, almost like a drug team, but almost like the SWAT team for it. You know what I mean? And they're doing high-level crimes, and he's also got a bunch of kids, and they live in a house that's got mold, and his wife is pregnant, and he's trying to get himself out of there. And, I mean, the movie opens up with him doing something dirty. We're going to talk more about it in a couple of weeks, but I'm very excited to do it. I absolutely love this film, and uh, I hope when we do it, you're going to end up loving it just as much as I do because I think it's a hidden gem in my opinion. Definitely. It definitely is. 
But that'll bring to my number one being three films. The Before Trilogy. I'm not going to pick one of them. I'll just say the whole <laughs> Before Trilogy. Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. Um, with him and Miss Julie Dupley. I probably just butchered her last name. That's right. He left... Uma, he I left know, the bride left for the bride. her. She, she better watch fuck out. <laughs> right. she, I would have been terrified if I was her. Yeah. <laughs> They're great. Their chemistry is amazing together. The way that like Richard progressed that story in the hands of so many people and so many actors that could just get boring. You know, you're doing like the which the, the first one I would say is almost like just a straight up like romance film where then they kinda really started to tap into like romantic comedy through it. Um but it's just so good the way they carried that through so many years. Starting it in the in the fucking early nineties all the way until the two thousands. It's insane. Two of those films being shot while he's making a 12-year film with the same fucking director. Insane. Yes. They're good movies. I just wasn't a huge fan, but I knew that they were going to be on yours. I could have bet Uma Thurman's legs on that. <laughs> Better that was going to make it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so we only have one of the same on this one. So we come out with nine. Nine, nine Ethan Hawke films makes it ten with this ten. one. Absolutely. And there's a couple of movies we talked about today that's going to be on our podcast coming up. So, you know, he's going to be chock full of fucking crime coming up here soon. You motherfuckers didn't want to do any westerns? Well, we're going to start killing motherfuckers off by the heat. <laughs> so, I won't tell you what next week's film is. All I will tell you is we have had a discussion about this film a lot and about its ending. That's all the hints I'm going to give you. But we are going to dive into this glorious movie and the issue we have with its mm -hmm. ending. It, it, there may be so, four reasons to watch and one reason why we have a problem. One with reason it. not to. Yeah, we might, we might switch it up on you. While you wait in anticipation, until then. Watch this or die. And that's a wrap on this week's installment. Once again, we'd like to thank you very much for hanging out with us and letting us gush all over you about this movie. We hope you will enjoy it as much as we have, so please let us know what you thought of this movie by reaching out to us on our social media platforms. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Watch This or Die. Also, please feel free to DM us your thoughts on this week's film. You can always give us your own top five list, tell us what you did or didn't like about the show, and even suggest some movies to us. We really, really would love to hear from you. Now, we hope you will join us again next week for our next movie recommendation. And as always, I'm Scott Crowshar. And I'm Matt LaPlante. Until next time, watch this or die.